Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Each episode, your hosts bring you news, views, and abuse from America's professional rugby union, along with all the latest on the USA national team. Now, with all that said, let's get on with the show. And we're live. Welcome to the Earful of Dirt Podcast. My name is Joshua Fredlin. Joining me tonight, reluctantly, is Craig Gerdelli. Uh, how's your week then, Craig? Not reluctantly, enthusiastically. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it's been a good week. Busy week. We um, at work. We changed office floors, so I had a lot of moving to do. Uh, and I'm going away tomorrow on a Memorial Day weekend with uh, some of my army buddies. So it's been a busy week, and uh, as such, I didn't get to watch quite as much rugby as I normally do. I only watched a handful of the games, so. Uh, that is the the reluctance that Josh is uh, hinting at, but we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna power through, uh, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I can I can understand the move. At least you're only moving floors and you're not moving um, buildings. Because I remember a couple of years ago when we opened our we're opening our office here, we uh, got a one of those shared working spaces, and then moved across the street so we had to move all of our computer equipment and stuff from the shared space to across the street so it was, it's definitely a challenge and i can i can understand your frustrations there a little bit so, yeah you know, all the things need to be locked back in and connected back to the right drives and nothing was put in the right place you know it was all uh it's quite hectic but uh <laughs> all set now so uh hopefully by next week we'll be operating at full capacity uh, so let's just jump right into it. Um, first game of the week, rare Thursday night game. I believe we've had a couple of these on occasion, um, mainly due to rescheduling. I believe one, we had a Houston-Glendale game year two, I believe. Excuse me. Um, then we had Toronto and Austin leave year three. I don't. I think that one was rescheduled. I think actually both of those were weather reschedules, so that was that's definitely um, just, I guess taking a page out of the NFL's book, just trying to put it on a different day. You know, it could be um, venue availability as well. But so let's get into the game. Um, you know, Toronto added New England's ten uh, game winning streak. They've got themselves close to um, a playoff spot. Uh, the, um, that kind of got further out of the reach, as we'll discuss later. But I mean, after I think it was eleven nothing, New England at one point, and then Toronto just scored twenty eight straight points to just put it away. I think the first half was kind of even, and then the second half was all Toronto. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, I got I, I you know. I hate to speculate about a team's mental state or, or mindset, but I really got a feeling from New England they came into this one a bit complacent. Uh, they were, first of all, do we know what the deal with Bodie and Walk is? Uh, yeah, obviously, I think he's a, a critic. I haven't heard it yet. Again, I, I didn't follow quite as closely as I usually do this week. I haven't seen it. There's been an injury news, but obviously, he did not start for New England this week. Uh, Harrison Boyle started. Uh, so that already a big a big change and uh, a big piece of their success for New England was missing. Uh, 
And I, I just, I really, even that aside, I really felt like there was a lot of complacency. Like no, normally what I picture in New England's defense, they're really rabid. You know, they make, they get in position, they make strong tackles and they're right up on their feet and they're trying to jackal the ball and they're making it difficult for offending teams to set up a rock and get a smooth recycle for next phase. I thought you weren't seeing that this week and I don't know if it was Toronto, I think, for their part, for what it's worth, I think they came in to these rucks really strong. You know, they, they defended them well. They defended them promptly. So, they, it, you know, it may have just been that after a few minutes, New England saw they weren't getting any benefit from that because Toronto was just too, um, like, too on it, you know, with their, with their offensive rucking. So maybe that's what it was, but it just – they just overall had this feeling of like being a little more laid back than usual, a little, little less urgent. Obviously it was very urgent for Toronto. I think in our picks last week, we said we could see this being a game where Toronto actually broke this win streak because it was in Toronto. They needed it. You know, all win streaks have to come to an end eventually. As we saw, I mean, it was just a, a more desperate team against a more complacent team on the road. And, um, Eventually, Toronto's energy just uh, overwhelmed the what looked like a flat New England side to me. Um, as far as Waka, I just went back through the the game day thread, and um, I believe someone said that they could have just been resting them because they they basically all but secured the first. I yeah, I mean, the, two more bonus points. The first place is theirs, basically. So I think they're just resting them. Apparently, nothing, he had a minor nothing says complacency injury. like. Not even on having any reserves, your star fly half uh, for a game. So yeah, maybe they're just resting it. But if so, I mean, that's probably what they were doing. But um, if so, I think that that gives further credence to this idea that you know they didn't really they were willing to lose this one. You know, they 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 came into this one without the same urgency to win as Toronto had. Excuse me, apologies. As I was listening, uh, yeah, I, I just. I think it's one of those things that they're just trying to cruise to. Sorry. Let's try an annotative note for listeners. Josh muted while he coughs. Uh, so in the meantime, we'll just vamp here. Josh, take your time. Get, get your breath. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm just, I had that cold, but I thought it was over it. I guess not. See, what, Maybe what it's what just allergies. You what was that? It's one without me. You're, you're gonna go it solo. What would you have done if you had to cough? You just have like muted it for ten seconds and silence on the track. Yeah, we'll just we'll have Corey cut that out when he when he talks about when he gets to it. So I, I guess I should have mentioned this before we started, but unfortunately, we will not be able to have this episode's um, this episode ready before the weekend. Our editor Corey is out of town on business, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna have Corey publish it when he can publish it. And then we're going to, if I remember to post about it, because I've been having that issue, we want you all to listen to it and then tell us how wrong we our picks are on Twitter or Facebook, wherever wherever you want to post about it. So, In the meantime, you can see us on Facebook live or on play. <laughs> uh, but yeah. our podcast won't populate till after the games have begun. So moving on to second game of the weekend, probably one of the mo- more entertaining games of the weekend. Um, Houston beating DC um, 59 to 42 that temperature on the field got up to 109 degrees Fahrenheit um, 
if you give my math a second, the, um, for our non-American fans, that is 42.7 degrees Celsius. So it's hot as hell. I have actually sat in that kind of weather just to watch a game. I can't imagine playing in that weather. Yeah. I mean, it's hot out there. Uh, that was kind of true around uh, a lot of the game. That New York you know, had a similar heat wave. I mean, it, it was a hot weekend across the country. So, you know, I, I remember that first season of MLR uh, when it was the, the season was a little later in the year. But when it got hot in the hot months like now and teams had to go to the south, which this wasn't quite the south, but um, that really had an impact. And we're getting back to that period where, you know, the hot weather could make a difference for teams that are better acclimated. Um, so, yeah, this was one of those games. Yeah, especially in Virginia, the, the D.C. area. It's basically Virginia, but it's 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 very humid in that area. So imagine these guys. I, maybe that's why um, Oppie Nakatini got a red card so early into the game. Um, for those who... <laughs> Damn, I really um, But he He got a red card 11 minutes into the game for punching Dylan Smith into the face In the face, um, Not a smart move Maybe he just didn't want to be in the heat But you know, outside of that they DC actually held their own I mean, they scored A number of their tries and a man down Because um, obviously the red card is uh, 20 minutes Yes, MLR does the twenty-minute red cards. Um, I think some people. I think it's about fifty-fifty split. But if you look on the rugby union subreddit, it's most people hate it. Um, as far as MLR, I think it's fifty-fifty. Um, but overall, it was a good game. You know, you had. I think it's the first ever MLR game to go over hundred points total. Um, you had your first ever player to score the most tries in a single game with. Um, Hooker Dean Muir scoring, scoring four tries all within 50 minutes. So, you know, it's, it was definitely a, a great game to watch as a fan. Like, even if you are on the, even if you were a DC fan on the losing side, you have to admit it was a great game to watch. Yeah. I mean, obviously, high scoring games are exciting ones. Uh, you know, I, I, this is one I did not see, but I, I heard in the recaps that, you know, it was closer than the score suggested um so you know exciting win for houston but they they keep pace uh that they needed to do to stay in the catbird seat for that last playoff spot in the west uh oh glory couldn't quite be a spoiler this time but uh you know uh congrats at least to dean muir uh for his tribe performance and al bundy uh i guess it's like al bundy four touchdowns in a single game this is the rugby uh correlation of that so Good on him. Um, yeah, yeah. It was it was definitely closer than the score appeared because um, it, it was that's twelve points. So it was forty seven to forty two. Um, and then Nick Boyer all of a sudden found the gap and scored. Um, DC was trying to respond, but then threw um, a a miss pass way a very slow miss pass and. But Ty um, Liotta caught it and went under the sticks to put to put it away. So yeah, it was, it was definitely closer than the score appeared. So one more time, I apologize. Um, next game up, I believe I don't think either of us really saw much of, but um, 
I think we read about it and heard about it. Um, we, it's San Diego versus NOLA. Basically a reversal of NOLA game from last week against Old Glory. Um, you know, what I think it was like 50 to 20-something, and then this week San Diego beat them 42 to 12. There's a lot of back chatter in this game. Um, even Brian Ray noted it on Twitter. Um, at one point, NOLA was marched back 20 meters. And then immediately after, San Diego was marched back 10. So I tell you, I love back chat penalties. I think that's my one of my favorite things about rugby in general is the existence of a back chat uh, violation. And I love when referees call. And I've never refereed a game, but if I imagine some future world where I take up refereeing, then you bet your ass I'm just back chat penaltying people all day long because I think that's such an awesome feature. Um, so glad to hear we got some of that. Uh, and hey, if you're a San Diego fan, you also kept base. I mean, you're, you're still chasing Houston and you've played one more game. So I guess you, you know Houston basically need to lose out for San Diego to, to climb in. But mathematically, it's still possible, right? Because San, San Diego has 42 yeah, table points. One bonus point win in the remaining game will put them at 47. Houston's at 46, so if Houston get no more table points in the last two games, San Diego mathematically could jump in there. Um, so, I mean, they thanks to this win, they have that remains a mathematical possibility, uh, as unlikely as it is. So, you know, fight another day. As long as unlikely as it is, Seattle is still in it, even though they're 10 points down. Seattle is in it, yes, uh, because they could ultimately win a tiebreaker with Houston if Houston gets zero points the rest of the way through. Um, right now, point difference, but Seattle's actually ahead. Right, that's the first tiebreaker, if I recall. Yeah. So it looks like yeah, mathematically they could do it too. So, um, but as far as this game, you know, just an all-out effort from San Diego. Any other day, this would earn a man, match of the week. Um, Jason Higgins had a hat trick, so that, that is good for him. Unfortunately, San Diego lost two of their players. I believe Will Hooley came out um, just three minutes into the game with an arm injury. And then um, just into the second half, when does he sub off? Subbed off in the 49th minute with what looked to be a knee injury. So, you know, the, San Diego's had some bad injury luck this year, but they've been able to to hold out on it and have put themselves into a potential position for a playoff spot. So, all right, next up, um, L.A. against Dallas. Um, while the scoreline was large, you know, it was 56 to 12, I think most people saw that coming with Dallas and L.A., um, this actually, if you watch the game, it wasn't that bad of a game for Dallas for a half. They actually held them. They held LA for a half. They were able to, the score was seven to seven at half. Like you look at that at halftime and you're like, wait, what? Because I, I think we, you know, I made the comment on Reddit that, you know, it was the first game to go over a hundred and they got a couple of replies. Well, maybe it looks like LA might do it themselves this weekend against Dallas. So I mean, based on the halftime score, they or the full time score, they probably could have. But so, good for yeah. Dallas to at least show up. Yeah, but in the end, you know, good outcome for LA, who's crept into first with Austin's loss. But 
yeah. only by a point, and they're still quite a bit behind Austin in point differential. So this big win closed that gap a little bit. Um, but you know, if they want that, it, there's, there's a battle. There's a Gill battle right now for that first round bye uh, in the West. And, uh, you know, big, big margin of victory is what L.A. needs to win a potential tiebreaker. So and they knock that off the list. Yeah. Um, I was like, I'm trying to go back through all of Austin's recent results, but my computer's struggling to load the website right now. But it, it just seems like Austin, um, bef- as we go into talking about LA and Austin, it just seems like Austin's kind of fallen off the cliff offensively the past couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, I feel like Austin's really gotten streaks, but again, I mean, I, I don't know if we're jumping officially to the Austin game at this point, but yeah. So let's see their last few scores. They scored eight this week. They were off the prior week. Eight. The week before eight that. The week before. Austin scored eight. Uh, then 17 before that. So a few, three, three fairly low scoring efforts. You know, prior to that, they, you know, were 32, 57, 35, 43. So they, they, they had a good run in April of scoring. The May has been dry. Uh, you know, I, I, so I, I did watch this one, and first of all, the final score I guess was twenty-two eight Houston yeah. or uh, Utah rather, but uh, it was much closer than that. I mean, it was like sixty-five minutes or so. It was still, you know, uh, it was, I think it was, uh, 10, it was eight, eight eight to seven. Well, I think it was ten eight. Utah. Oh yeah, it was ten eight. I apologize. Uh, 65th minute, and then they score a couple times there in the, in the last few minutes. But I mean, this, this is a close one. Still, um, I hate to say this because I hate to ever say something critical of a USA uh, player in particular, but I really thought Will Hooley, uh, not Will Hooley, Will McGee struggled uh, at 10. So Mac, Mac Mason is hurt for Austin, and Will McGee subbed in at fly half. And I thought he had a rough, a rough outing. Uh, first of all, uh, you know, for someone who sometimes plays fullback, I think Will McGee's defense is surprisingly lax. You know, he made a, a botched – it wasn't even a missed tackle. He didn't get a hand on the guy, but he just kind of, you know, tracked the wrong player and let a, a guy come through the line untouched for Utah's first try, I believe it was. Um, so, I mean, and that sort of thing happens frequently. I feel like he's making bad defensive reads. Um you know, a decent amount considering where he's played and his, his experience level. Uh, and I really just didn't think, I don't know if it's a lack of enough reps in the 10 shirt this year. Obviously he's historically a 10 for USA as well as occasionally a fullback. Um, so it's not like he's not experienced as a fly half, but just wasn't clicking. It felt like it, it honestly, it felt like they were almost bypassing him when they wanted to have, when they had something on, they, cut him out of the play entirely. They, like Marcel Brocky would, would come up and be the first receiver off the scrum or off the ruck rather. Uh, and then it would go to some player from there. And it was like, Will McGee wasn't even included. They passed it right by him. It seemed like the, the offense was being run more by Marcel Brocky and Bryce Campbell, the two centers than it was by Will McGee. And occasionally Will McGee would do a crossfield kick or something uh, yeah, that had a little bit of, of flair to it. Usually when Austin was – the Austin at one point had a string of advantages, like five attacking advantages in a row. Um, a lot of, lot of crossfield kicks from him, none of them amounted to anything. 
Um, he did have one nice play where he, I think he dummied and he, he caused the line break. But, but by and large, I thought Austin's offensive struggles were because they just weren't getting the right functionality uh, out of their 9 and 10 pairing. And I, I really think that, that came up to Will McGee's either just rust from not playing a lot recently at that position or not fitting the system or whatever. Um, they did have a lot. They also had two yellow cards. Um, so they had a lot to overcome and it's, it was in Utah, which is a high altitude stadium. So fitness wise, that's always a struggle and the game did kind of fall away at the end. And when you're playing down a man for 20 minutes, you know, that really compounds fitness issues. Um, but the truth is they, Austin had a lot of opportunities to score, and uh, actually they, they said this in the pregame or the early game, keys to victory too, which had some other uh, humorous elements. But you know, they said for Utah, they've got to be patient and execute inside the 22. Um, well, they did, certainly on the defensive side, because uh, Austin had a lot of attacking inside the Utah 22 and came away with very few points. No, I, I do agree with you there. That I, I don't think Will, even though he is a ten, that is or that is his normal position at the fly half position. I don't think he is the best option. Um, similar to how Waka is for um, New England, he Mac Mason is Austin's offense. So I could definitely see, especially with their game against LA, where um, McGee was at ten as well, that their offense just is wasn't cooking at all. So, all right. Next up, probably the most surprising scoreline we've seen in a while. Um, I think New York was hard done at one point to not be given a try. <laughs> um, Ed, I believe Ed Fido was um, was put into Will Tucker had thrown him a pass on the sideline and he was able to get it down, but the TMO had ruled him out. Uh, Brian Ray, America's Rugby News, Ray's Rugby on Twitter actually found a picture that showed he wasn't in touch. So this game probably could have had a closer scoreline. But yeah. I, th- this was all ATL from the start. I mean, 38 to 3, your final score. I don't – Craig, what did you what did you see for this one? Yeah, I mean, sure, maybe Fido was in. Obviously, that was not the factor of this game. I mean, it's a very poor effort. Uh, from New York kind of all across. I mean, there's, first of all, again, I thought Heighten actually at, at 10 actually was probably the only bright spot of this game for New York, but the the Atlanta, they're not doing anything crazy or different. They didn't come in with some unusual approach. They did what they've been doing for weeks. They've been getting um, taken advantage of because people kind of figured out their shtick, which is this line speed, line speed, line speed game. Um and there's a lot of ways to combat that, but for some reason, York came in and didn't, at least especially, in the, I mean, there was maybe at the beginning of the second half a period where it looked like they were adjusting to that in some way. But for most of the game, they just simply tried to outrace the ball to the wings uh, against Atlanta's really rush uh, defensive line, and they couldn't do it. And they were just throwing passes to the ground dropping passes, tons of unforced errors. Um, and they never – well, when they played Atlanta the first time, it was the same thing, but they, they handled it so much better where you, know, you throw dummies, force them to overcommit, and you run through the line. Or, you know, attack the in, inside channels, 
try to keep your feet in and just get the ball free for an offload. So you, anything to get the ball past that rush and in your hands. And then you have huge attacking opportunities because the line is all rushed forward and it makes it, it gives you the opportunity to get the ball in the attacking hands beyond that defensive line. That's a, that's a big attacking chance, but for some reason you just couldn't adjust to it. Um, they were getting slaughtered by that line speed and it was, I mean, it was brutal out there. They got butchered. Um, I, I, and I also, one of the things I, I definitely noticed was, especially after last week, you know, with that clip of New York pushing Seattle into the post and knocking it over, was just how much their scrum struggled this week. Even, I mean, I, obviously they were missing Tololo, but I don't know how much, sometimes one player can have a big impact, but I yeah. don't, I'd see him having more of a ball carrying impact than a, a front row impact. So it was just definitely kind of weird to see. I think he's a good scrummer, but they also they also have such weird. Uh, first of all, they had uh, I guess some kind of stomach bugs. A lot of people, including you know, starting props, were sick. Um, so they had a lot of lineup changes last second. But I mean, anytime that happens, that's going to impact your scrum, right? If you have two or three normal starting um, members of the pack, especially the tight five. Um, mm. Subbed out last second, you're just going to lose a little bit of that connectivity uh, that goes along with, you know, the, the scrum works best when everyone works as kind of one organism in there. And it's hard to do when you're shuffling people last second. They also, New York also had a red card early uh, to a second row player, uh, which just clearly didn't help. Then Dylan Fawcett, uh, I think Ben Benassa went into the second row. It was uh, Curly Hewitt, right? I believe got the red card. Um, Real, real dirty hit. I mean, I don't know what he was thinking. It, it was it came on a quick tap, so he was probably just honestly caught off guard and reacted um, in an unfortunate way. But clear kind of a shot to the head area, no attempt to wrap or even tackle. I mean, it was just a, a what looked like an obvious red card. Uh, so that really also something. Spinoza went the second row. Dylan Fawcett went into the. Uh, loose forwards, and then Geiger came in to Hooker. Um, it was just chaos. Uh, so uh, New York had a chance. Actually, if they had won out, they would have been in first place because they had, they end the season against New England, and they were within a game's striking range of New England. Um, I guess they still are since both lost, but uh, you know now Atlanta has climbed back in there too. So. It's kind of it's almost anyone's game there in the East. Yeah, I think it, this this upcoming week will definitely have a major impact, especially since Toronto and Rugby ATL are playing each other. But one one other thing coming from this week that I think that caused a lot of controversy: um, Major League Rugby has decided to call the, I guess, the time frame whenever. Um, a card is given. You, they're starting to use the hockey term "power play." Oh they yeah, put it so on right. the graphic. So, so no, it's like I, it's I not think a power I, play because in a power play, when the team scores, the power play ends. Like I, I I'm not 100 percent against throwing in some more American familiar terms to like. If, for example, I call the ingle. I think that's the official name of the area in which you touch down the ball to score a try. Mm-hmm. If you want to call that the try zone, because that sounds like the end zone in football, I get it. I'm cool with that. You know, I, I, I have no problem with that. 
let's not call a card a power play. That is a completely different concept. It suggests a completely different sort of playing. Uh, you know, in a power play, there's like different rules. Yeah, you can ice the puck in a power play in hockey. There's no, you don't get any dis- special rules. I mean, it's just not a, it's not a good analogy, and I think it's uh, going to give people the wrong idea. People who are who are not already familiar to get the wrong idea of what's happening. Yeah, no, I definitely like. I, I thought, you know, my idea was like, hey, this is similar to a power play. It's not a power play. You know, like explain the minute differences. But yeah, just going full full in like they were, I think annoyed a lot of people. Like you can, de- like you said, you can definitely see bringing in some terms to, you know, make it more Americanized or like more familiar. But like also explain the nuances and differences. And I don't think they were doing that as far as I recall. I also happen to listen to most of these on mute because I don't like the announcers anymore. But that is just a me issue, so I didn't hear how in depth they were getting with power play, but I think at one point I heard someone say, Oh, but if they score here, they don't get the, the man back. Um, but it was like kind of cavalierly thrown out there. I don't know. It just isn't, it's not, I, I think you want to make a clear call to man advantage. I'm fine with that. I actually, when I first learned rugby and I heard the term Sinbin, I assumed that was a joke. And there was some official name like penalty box where the people would be forced to wait during a battle during a, a card turns out there really is no name. It really just is, I guess the sin bin or it's an unnamed thing. Like, there's no specific, name. but you want to call it the penalty box. So people get it again. Like, I'm, I'm cool with that. Um, but power play is too far, too much for me. Too, too far. Next up Utah and their typos, errors, whatever you want to call them. Craig, you brought the first one to our attention. What, what happened with this one? Well, they were showing the keys to the game graphic and, uh, you know, I, as sometimes as an investment banker, part of my job is reading things for typos and correcting them. And so, you know, instinctively, I read a typo on the screen and immediately took a picture of it. Uh, so they said the key was patience inside the 22, except instead of writing patience ending in CE, like a ability to accept delayed reward or whatever, how do you define patience? They wrote patience with a... NTS like medical, you know, people going for medical appointments. Uh, so patients inside the twenty-two. I guess they were suggesting that they hurt <laughs> the Austin player <laughs> inside the twenty-two, which they sort of did. So I, I guess in the end, maybe it was more literally correct than uh, than they expected. But uh, yeah, so that I don't know. That maybe it made me chuckle anyway. Uh, of course, things happen. Typos are a part of life, I suppose. Uh, not the greatest look when you're trying to demonstrate that you're a serious professional league to the American fan base. But again, let's be serious. I mean, if there are fan base are watching the keys to the game at all and noticing that sort of homophone, homonym, typo, whatever you call that, uh, yeah, it's probably not really making a difference to anybody. Well, th- this one might make a little bit more of a difference as this was sent out in an email. Um, just about an hour ago on the um, ML Rugby subreddit, a, um, <clears throat> a Warriors fan posted that they sent out an email titled Utah Warriors versus Los Angeles. However, within the body of the email, they called the Los Angeles Giltinis the Austin Gilgarnies. So yeah. it, it's definitely one of those things where you like, do, are you guys paying attention or not? So Long season, a lot of uh, 
It was a hot weekend, long season. It's a tough one. Yeah. All right. Next up, probably a, a feel good. Well, mostly a feel good story. Maybe not for some people, depending on where you fall in the relative situation. But Major League Rugby this afternoon announced their version of the Walter Payton Award, named after the recently or the um, to the the late. S. Marcus Calloway, the former chairman and majority owner of Rugby ATL, um, he was always someone who wanted to, you know, move rugby forward. He saw the potential of MLR and invested in it and was hopeful for the future. So the S. Marcus Calloway Award, Community Impact Award will be awarded to the player who shows passion, excellence, and integrity on and off the field, inspires act- others to action, shows strength and character, aids those less fortunate and embraces the core values of rugby while displaying solidarity. uh, can never pronounce that word right. Solidarity, discipline, and respect. Each MLR team will nominate one player each year for the award. Um, A committee made up of MLR Commissioner George Killebrew, Deputy MLR Commissioner Bill Gorin, and Marcus's widow, Clea Calloway. They will select a winner from the 13 nominees, the winner will be presented a trophy and a $5,000 donation to the nonprofit of their choice at the MLR championship final. So, you know, I, I think we all saw this coming eventually, but, you know, it's was, it was great to get it out there and it certainly honors um, the awards namesake as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, good stuff. I, I like that sort of, they are like community focused, community oriented stuff. So well, glad they do it. Hopefully they, um, you know, they do a good presentation of the winner and really highlight uh, his achievements. All right. Next up, moving into this coming week's games. Um, first up, we have some Friday night rugby, um, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 27th on the Rugby Network, Root Sports Plus in Seattle, um, tape delayed on AT&T Sportsnet Southwest in Houston, uh, Houston versus Seattle in Seattle. I, I think Houston's going to want to look to lock this one away. Um, I think they have, they've shown that they have the ability to, you know, compete. They want to put their former struggling team self in the past. I'm going to go Houston by five. Right. You know, I, I like, uh, obviously, uh, Seattle always dangerous at home. Starfire, perhaps the most home-friendly crowd out there. Uh, and the game's at 10.30 Eastern, so 9.30 for Houston time. Uh, that's a late start. Uh, so, you know, I kind of like I like, I kind of like that Seattle energy uh, on their own home turf and, and a very West Coast-friendly time. So I'm going to say Seattle is this one by four. Okay. <clears throat> Next up, we have the Actual Fire and Ice Cup. Um, Fire and Ice Cup. We had discussed this um, a couple weeks ago, and then I (laughs) remember... Stupid camera. Um, The wins. George R. R. Martin will release from (laughs) winter. So we had discussed a couple weeks ago when these teams first played each other, but then I remembered that you can only win the Fire and Ice Cup on the road. So Rugby ATL is current holders. Thus, Toronto can only win it this weekend because they're playing in ATL. Um, it's a little unfair as it started when they were both playing in ATL. <laughs> uh, so, whatever, but fine. This but is that, but that's 
that's literally why it was born, though. I don't yeah. think we we would have had this trophy otherwise. Yeah, that's true. So no, I Saturday. I'm going all underdogs this week. Uh, I just again, I, I think Atlanta's very singular approach of this line speed game has some pretty, I want to say easy, but pretty straightforward game plan um, arbitrages where you can really you can game plan for that strategy and put some really effective countermeasures in there. And I think Toronto is desperate to stay in the race. Um, obviously, they want that fire and ice cup. Uh, so I, I think Toronto's going to win this one. I'm going to say Toronto by six. Right. I'm I'm going to take. I guess I'm going all the favorites this week. I'm going to take Rugby ATL by two. I think, especially knowing who Rugby New York plays this week. Um, well, that also depends on the outcome of the game, but I I think most of us are picking New York to win that one. But I think just based on what we know is. What we know is happening. I think they they want to force they want to keep themselves in contention as much as Toronto wants to put their foot in the pile as well. So uh, that game, Toronto at Rugby ATL, Saturday, May twenty eighth, three p.m. Eastern on the Rugby Network and TSN. Next up in Salt Lake City, excuse me, Harriman, Utah, at Zion's Bank Stadium, um, four thirty p.m. Eastern. On the Rugby Network, KJZZ, and Bally Sports SoCal. We have the LA Guillotines visiting the Utah Warriors. Um, Utah has kind of been a giant killer these past couple weeks. Um, they did the same thing last year with LA. They, you know, they hosted them, they beat them. But I, I think, think LA, they, LA was kind of cruising they, at that point. They beat LA earlier this year in LA, didn't they? Uh, man, am I going to keep my underdog streak going here? I think I am. <laughs> Uh, you know, Utah's been playing very well finally the last few weeks, as you're saying. And uh, they have Paul CK back. Obviously, it's a big pickup. Um, he came as a sub this week, but he, he played very well. Um, I just uh, – I, I feel like Utah finally getting into a bit of a groove with the personnel and the positions that they have. And uh, I think L.A., on the other hand, is got hot. Uh, but now I think they're, they're also – in a bit of a uncertainty around their fly half play and then that sort of thing. So I, I actually, uh, I'm going to pick Utah too. I'm going all underdogs, Utah by three. All right. Next up also Saturday, May 28th, <clears throat> excuse me, at 8 PM Eastern um, on the rugby network and your view, California. Um, I don't know how you're going to pick an underdog in this one, but let's see what you do, Craig. We have the San Diego Legion visiting the Austin Gilgronis. I don't, I mean, I don't know how you flick. I kind of want to call this one a draw, but I'm going to take Austin by three just because I think they desperately want that first place seed back in hand. Um, we'll see if Mac Mason comes back and can direct the attack once again. But I, I think just at home and just they, they want to push themselves at the end of the season. I, I think Austin wins by three. Yeah, this is a tough one. Um, I, I do actually think it's almost, to me, this one's very personnel-based, and I want to see the lineups on both sides because San Diego also has injury issues. Um, uh, but, you know, assuming both sides, let's say both sides use the same starting lineup as they use coming into this week, uh, I'm going to pick San Diego by five. 
Let's see if you, if you stick with your plan this week, Craig. Um, we have Rugby New York visiting Old Glory DC on Sunday, May 29th. I believe it is May 29th. Yes, at 2.30 p.m. Eastern on the Rugby Network, NBC Sports Washington, and MSG. I'm going to take New York by 12 just because I don't trust DC enough right now. Um, you know, they put up a fight against Houston, but they got demolished by Nola the week before. So I, I, DC is kind of act playing to the level of their opponents. But I yeah. think New York, after getting embarrassed last week, is going to come out rolling, like I said, New York by 12 for me. Yeah. I guess the underdog streak's going to end here for these last two, I think. But uh, also, Nakatini is required suspended by the DC. So that, that's going to them. Um, yeah, I think New York one needs to win to have a playoff positioning. Uh, and uh, I think mathematically not, they haven't guaranteed a spot, but they're you know, pretty likely to, to get in. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think they're going to come out a little angry from this past week, too. So, yeah, I'll, I'll say New York. I, I won't give them quite as much credit as you, though. I'll say New York by eight. And then last game of the week, national game of the week, NOLA visiting the New England Free Jacks. Excuse me. Sunday, May 29th. 6.30 p.m. Eastern on Fox Sports 1. I I, I don't – I kind of want to say New England by six, but I also want to see what – if Waka plays because that could influence the, the line for me. But I, I still think New England wins this one. It's just a matter of how big this fit's going to be. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it sounds like from what you looked up earlier that there's no known Waka injury, so I'm going to assume he's – not taking two weeks off, especially after a loss. So, uh, yeah, you don't want to you don't want to string of losses going into a playoff run. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to say we win by ten. Okay. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for us, Craig. Any last minute thoughts from you? No. Happy Memorial Day weekend coming up, everybody. Yeah. Go celebrate. Go enjoy. For those in America, go jo- enjoy your three day weekend with your families. Have a barbecue, however, however y'all want to celebrate. But thank you for listening, everyone. As always, we thank you. For, um, we thank you for everything you do for us. We wouldn't be here without you, without our listeners. So you can always find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Earful of Dirt. You can find Craig and MM Fly Half on Twitter. You can find myself at Josh Red and Lead Speak on Twitter. So once again, thank you for listening, everyone, and go watch the rugby. Thanks for listening to Earful of Dirt. Connect with your hosts via Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Earful of Dirt. Visit our website at earfulofdirt.com or email us your thoughts and questions to earfulofdirt at gmail.com.